Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 31. Hello and welcome back to another session here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, the podcast about medical school where we take you through the pre-med process, medical school, and even through residency. We're here to take your knowledge of becoming a physician to the next level. I am your host, Ryan Gray, and today in the studio with me, I have my lovely wife, Allison. Hello. Allison is graduating from residency... Two days from when we're recording this. Woo! <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Hopefully everybody listening will, in the future, have that same exhilaration that you will have in two days and, and know that your journey is, is not really coming to an end. It's, it's only still beginning, but it's one big hurdle. I look at it as the end of an era and the beginning of a new one. As you should. So, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> So for you guys listening, interact with us. There are a couple different ways to interact with us. If you're listening on the website right now, you can actually take these podcasts to go. If you have an iPhone or an iOS device on your device, go into the App Store, download the podcast app separate from the iTunes app. It's a little confusing. And go find us in the podcast app and subscribe. If you're on an Android device, download the Double Twist app and you can subscribe to us in there. Some other ways to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter at Medical School HQ. You can send us an email, feedback at medicalschoolhq.net. Or as always, you can go to the show notes, medicalschoolhq.net slash session 31 for this episode. Today we have a fun topic for you today. Allison and I compiled about eight things that we considered very important when we were pre-med students. Kind of some stuff that we wish we would have known more about, some stuff that looking back we realized were the more important things to know. So we'll go through that list with you here and hopefully you'll hear some some valuable information that will help you on your journey, which is why we do what we do. 
So let's uh, start. The first thing that we want to talk about, and something that if you've listened to other podcasts that I've done, some other interviews with Dean of Admissions, Dean of Medical Schools, the the overlying, the overriding subject and message is always that there is no perfect applicant. I think if you go out on Student Doctor Network or any other forum out there, it's everybody's trying to fit a mold, and there isn't one perfect application, one perfect picture of an applicant that you need to fit into. You need to be who you are. So don't spend too much tr- too much time trying to figure out exactly what boxes to check because there is there's no such thing as a, a checklist to get into medical school. I absolutely agree. I second that. It's interesting when we recently went to the old pre-meds conference and heard from some admissions officers there, they get really excited when someone has something unique to talk about, when someone has had a unique life experience. Uh, I really think they're not looking for a cookie cutter application. There are, of course, certain things that every applicant needs when they apply to medical school. You need your MCAT, you need your college courses, you need clinical experience. But aside from that, as Ryan said, they're looking for people who have a unique something to bring to that medical school class. So make sure that you're you stand proud of who you are and look for what makes you unique and remind remind yourself that there is no perfect applicant. Yeah, it's it's funny you you just reminded me. I forget some of the the stories that the the old pre-med students were talking about, but there were a couple people that raised their hand. It was a panel of admissions committee members. They had Georgetown there, Johns Hopkins, uh, who else? They had Georgetown, George, uh, Washington, George Washington, Johns Hopkins, and uh, one of the DO schools, I believe, in Tennessee. DeBusk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, a, a broad panel, a, a lot of great schools, and, and a student would raise their hand and say, this is my story. I've only done this, and I, I, I'm worried. And the admissions committee members would all say, stop it. What you, what you just said already makes you interesting. And, and the, the story that they kept saying was, we, we want an application that makes us interested and makes us want to talk to you more and find out more of your story. So the, the more interesting stories that you can create for yourself, the better you'll be on your application. Absolutely. All right. So don't fit that, that checklist uh, list. And, and one other thing I want to uh, say about that, and I, I think I've talked about it before, is the fact that an admissions committee is trying to build a little community, a, a community of 100 or so students in each class. They want a broad range of people to create that community. Imagine a New York City filled with a, a 100,000 of the same people. It'd be very boring, and there'd be lots of conflict between everybody because everybody's exactly the same so if you think about it that way i don't know if that that helps yeah what do you have to bring to the community that's different yeah absolutely all right so that's the kind of thinking you can start thinking about 
as a high school student, what's setting you apart, and, and, and as you go through your pre-med journey, how to set yourself apart. The, the next thing we want to talk about is choosing your undergrad. Now, for me, I've talked about my undergrad selection process. I, I chose an undergrad based on an athletic program and not academics because I wanted to go to the University of Florida because I loved Florida football. And so I went there. Luckily, they have a very strong academic program as well. But other students out there are trying to figure out exactly what's the best undergrad program for them. So, Allison, why don't you talk about your journey into undergrad? Sure. Well, going back when I was in about the fourth grade, I remember that my upstairs neighbor uh, had gone to McGill, uh, McGill University in, in Montreal in Canada. And that was the first that I had heard of McGill. And I remember my upstairs neighbor loving her experience there. So I always had McGill kind of somewhere in the back of my mind as, hey, this might be a great school. It's the Harvard of Canada. (laughs) It is the Harvard of Canada. Although I'll tell you, we sell shirts on campus that say that uh, Harvard is the McGill of America. So look out. (laughs) Uh, So anyhow, fast forward to when I'm looking to apply to colleges and uh, I'm looking at the different schools that I've gotten into. And for me, McGill was in a great city. That's the other thing about me that growing up, my parents always took us on vacation in Canada for whatever reason. It was cheaper than going across the Atlantic to Europe. Um, It was drivable. So we used to go to Montreal, to Quebec. Uh, We never really made it out west. Anyway, I'm digressing. So uh, McGill is in a great city in Montreal, uh, great science program. And I thought that it would give me kind of that push of having some independence. I grew up in a pretty sheltered community uh, outside Boston. So uh, off I went to McGill. And I think, uh, well, I had a very different experience, probably the absolute antithesis of the kind of college experience Ryan had. Because in uh, in Canada, um, a lot of the schools have a very European method of teaching in that your coursework is super um, narrowed into what your uh, focus is. So I uh, decided to major in physiology uh, because I didn't want to study plants. <laughs> I thought plants were super boring. So uh, biology was interesting, but physiology was better. So uh, my coursework was extremely um, specific. It was all science. And if you think about the United States, there are all these distribution requirements that students have to um, pass and have to, they need a, you know, a well-rounded uh, course curriculum. We didn't have that at all. Uh, looking back, I had probably three electives outside science uh, in my entire college career. Uh, I took English because I knew that I needed to um, because I wanted to apply to medical school. I think I had a Chinese history class and Greek mythology. Anyway, if you think about that in comparison to what Ryan had, very, very different. So what I had was an enormous amount of of, um, of science, but I, I really didn't have that kind of broad coursework. And at the time, I thought, well, that's great. It'll just prepare me that much better for medical school. And that may or may not have been true. I did get exposure to anatomy and physiology before medical school. And, and sure, maybe that helped. But looking back, I think I would have probably liked to have more of a well-rounded college career. And I probably would have felt less burnt out by the time that I was completing my college career. So uh, I think that that's an important thing to know about Canadian uh, universities when you apply or when you're thinking about choosing a college. Um, the other thing to know is that a lot of universities in Canada, including McGill, do not inflate grades at all. So 
great inflation is one of those kind of, I don't know, elephant in the room topics at universities sometimes. And maybe some schools do it and maybe they talk about it openly. Maybe they don't. They do not inflate grades at McGill. And so uh, what I learned later on is that uh, my GPA, while I did do well in medical school, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I cannot remember my exact GPA when I graduated, but um, but I know I did well. Uh, but I think I would probably have had a higher GPA had I gone to school um, in the United States because they don't inflate grades. And so what I learned later on in talking to people who had applied to medical school from Canadian universities in, in the United States is that uh, their GPAs were a little bit lower. So that's something to keep in mind when you're thinking about applying to medical school. And the last thing I would say about uh, Canadian medical schools is that uh, Canadian medical schools are very different than the United States in the fact that they uh, are interested in taking students from their own provinces. So just know that, hey, if you do want to go to Canada, and, or maybe you're from you know, if you're from Canada, it's very different. Um, let's say you're a student from Quebec and you're applying to medical school in Quebec. That's great. But if you're a student from Boston or Ohio or California and you want to go to, to medical school down the line in Canada, that may or may not be easy or almost impossible. So those are some interesting things about my background just in going to a Canadian uh, university and wouldn't change a thing. I had a great time up there, super cold, but um, <laughs> there are some things that are particular to know there. Okay, so I'll, I'll piggyback on a couple of the things you just talked about. Going to medical school in Canada, if, if a, a listener out there is interested in that, something that's it's kind of interesting is that when you come back into the U.S. to do a residency, you're not considered a foreign medical graduate. If you do go to a Canadian medical school? Yes. That's right, yes. It's Cana- the same, same thing. Yeah. Canadian medical schools are accredited under the same... accreditation body as U.S. medical school. So it's all one big happy family. So that's kind of good if you you truly do want to go to Canada and and are able to get in. And medical schools in the United States look at, of course, at Canadian universities, uh, you know, some of the great schools in Canada equally as they do to uh, United States medical schools. Just as an aside, I didn't want to go to Canadian medical school because I wanted to come back home to the United States. So that was an easy, easy thing. Yeah. The, The other thing, and you kind of just touched on it, the grade inflation. A lot of students ask, what's what's the best undergrad school that I can go to? And and there's the, this, this assumption that medical schools look favorably on some pre-med programs versus other pre-med programs. And there, there's a slight truth to that. And the truth to that is the fact that if you go to a well-known pre-med program, or a well-known undergrad school, and are and go through a chemistry or biology degree there, and your GPA is a little bit lower, but an admissions committee member knows, hey, that's that's a tough school. They they historically are known for not grading high. There's not a lot of grade inflation. Then it they might look at your GPA that might be a little bit lower than somebody else that went to a a school that is known for great inflation. And, and so that's where you get a little bit of a boost from a, a more of a well-known program is, is if the admissions committee members know the, the track record of that school and the curriculum there. Right. All right. So we kind of covered two of the topics that we had listed there, the, the undergrad choice and br- the broadening of your coursework. And obviously in the U.S., 
most schools have general education requirements that you have to take, so it kind of forces you to be a little bit more well-rounded. One of the other cool things in session 16, which you can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash session 16, we talked to Mount Sinai and the uh, it talked about the, the their new program called FlexMed, which has kind of been around a while. And that's a program where you apply to Mount Sinai's medical school as a sophomore and you're accepted. You don't have to take the MCAT. You can go and study abroad and, and kind of study anything you want to get a little bit more well, well-rounded. So I think a lot of schools are looking into similar uh, structured uh, acceptances. So keep an eye out on that. Yeah, and I would just echo and just say take advantage of that opportunity. It may feel, and again, I'm saying this as someone who didn't have distribution requirements, but looking at my sister going to a United States school, it may seem like these are forced on you, but they really have a purpose. You know, their college is an opportunity to learn about things that you would never maybe have been exposed to growing up. So uh, take advantage of of getting yourself, you know, or making yourself more uh, well-rounded. All right. The next one we wanted to talk about was something that I didn't know about when I applied to undergrad. The fact that there are combined undergrad and medical school programs out there, and there aren't many. There, There's maybe uh, seven, I want to say, off the top of my head. We didn't look it up exactly what we, uh, how many programs there were, but you can apply to an undergrad program and be accepted into medical school at the same time, which is kind of awesome. There are there are also programs where you start your undergrad and then apply early, kind of like the FlexMed program we just talked about, that is a seven-year program. Some of these BSMD programs are seven years. Some of them are eight years. And so just... just be aware that there are these programs if you're in high school now or just just stepping foot on campus that you might be able to cut a year off of your undergrad, which some of you uh, may like and some of you may may dread. You may be like, oh, I want to I want to spend all four years on campus. I would say that if you're thinking about that, uh, remember that you really need to know that you're going down that path in your life. And you have to figure that out at a pretty young age. So Ryan and I both had a sense that we wanted to be doctors in high school, but not everybody gets there uh, at a young age. Um, To be in a program like that, the BSMD really do need to figure that out. And I would say, uh, thinking back on our medical school experience, there were some students who we worked alongside in our clinical years who were in a BSMD program, and they were quite a bit younger than we were. So uh, they were, you know, 19, 20. I mean, maybe they weren't that young, but they certainly felt like it. And so if, you know, it it really does demand a little bit of, not a little bit, quite a lot of maturity uh, to know that you want to be a doctor at that young age and to be able to deal with some of the hard stuff that we see in medical school at a young age. So uh, I would, if you're going to make that decision, I would make it uh, really after thinking a lot about it. All right. The next one, the the big the big beast during your pre-med years, and one of the, the biggest hurdles into medical school is the MCAT. And uh, a phrase I just coined, and maybe I'll, I'll make a t-shirt, respect the MCAT. <laughs> the, the MCAT, 
is I, I like to say it's a test like no other test you'll ever take ever again. It's it's a one and done kind of test for students out there that, and I think I was one of them where you kind of go through high school and aren't really challenged. Uh, you you do well and you go through undergrad and you're you're doing okay. It, not really having to just work all out. The the MCAT, you kind of can go into it half-hearted and say, oh, it's just another test. I'll, I'll study a little bit for it. I did well on chemistry and biology and physics. Uh, I'll do well on the MCAT. You'd be wrong. The, the MCAT does not, does not test your knowledge as much as it tests your ability to take the MCAT. And the... The biggest thing that I can tell you and, and what I wish I would have known more back then is the fact that you have to do practice tests. You have to sit there. You have to time yourself like you're actually sitting in the test room taking the test and and do test after test after test and question after question after question and, and, and learn how the MCAT works. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were starting to talk about this that taking practice tests is the most important thing. Just getting that down, how to take the MCAT is is even more important than the material on the MCAT. And like Ryan said, don't be fooled that just because you did well in your chemistry and bio classes, you really do need to refresh uh, yourself um, about probably all of it, unless you're a boy or girl genius and just remember everything you've ever read. Uh, it's it's a really hard test for everybody um, because it's uh, you know it's it's a challenging exam and it it uh, demands that you really know what the test is going to be like before you take it. I think so. People who've practiced the MCAT, taken practice tests either through a practice course, uh, some of these courses that you've heard about through our podcast or others you may have seen online. Uh, those prep courses are great um, partially because they they give you access to a lot of practice MCATs. But even if you're not taking a prep course, you may be able to uh, have access to practice tests. So do those practice tests. And like Ryan said, time it like it's the real thing. So it's really, so you're going to be uh, ready. You've done a dress rehearsal and you're ready for the real thing. Yeah. And we have are slowly working on reviews of different MCAT test prep companies. I just did a full review of a company, MPREP, which you can find at mcatquestion.com. They have a kind of an on-demand, what they call the Anytime e-course, and I did a full review of their course so you can kind of see what it's like and and see how their interface works. And there's actually a promo code too, so you can find that on the site. So we're, we're always trying to look for better ways to show you guys the different options that are out there and and hopefully we can join up with more companies to bring you that stuff. What's next? We have apply broadly. We have apply broadly. So, once you're done with the MCAT, it's time for applications. So, apply broadly. Talk about that for a little bit. So, when I applied to medical schools, I applied to 14 schools, I think. And at that point in my life, I was really uh, dead set on on staying in the Northeast. Uh, I did, ultimately. I stayed in New York. Uh, we went to New York Medical College, as you may know, um, in Westchester, uh, New York. 
so, but I, I think at that point in my life, like I said, I was really dead set on staying there and I probably put myself through more stress than I needed to, because if you think about it now, I think they say on average, you should apply to around 20 programs. We applied to medical school. Some people might say that at least we applied to medical school back in 2005. Ryan applied a little bit before that. Uh, no, it must've been earlier than that. Gosh, 2003, 2004. At that point, I applied to 14. So if I had given myself more freedom to, to or, or allowed myself to think more broadly in the United States and thought, well, gee, I could go to medical school in Arizona, maybe, or somewhere on the other side of the country, uh, the the greater number of schools that you apply to, the, the greater your chances are going to be of getting in. Um, now, that also depends on whether you're applying to state schools. But in general, the more schools you apply to, the better your chances are going to be. Um so I think when you th- when you're looking at schools, you want to just be open, be open to uh, the possibility of going to a school way outside the region you are from, um, maybe on the other side of the country. Uh, it, it again, it goes back to the fact that there's no perfect medical school too. Just like there's no perfect applicant, the main goal is finding. Uh, a program, a school that's going to fit with you. It's it's a mesh that they look for. Uh, they want to find a person who's going to uh, mold well into their community. And you want to find a school that's going to be a nurturing and a challenging and a very good place for you to learn uh, what you need to become a doctor. Uh, so just remember that, that you should that I would, there's no should, but I would be open to applying uh, broadly uh, to medical schools. Yeah, be flexible. Be be flexible. Uh, obviously, everybody's in a little bit of a different situation. Some of our non-traditional listeners maybe have a, a spouse or significant other that's tied to a job, and so they're they're fixated on on one program. They they only program in their state. That's that's hard because it's it's there's no guarantee that that's where you're going to go. And if you apply to one place, then there's a, a, a good chance, unless you have uh, some good ins at the program, that you're not going to get in there. So just be flexible, have those conversations with your significant other and and be willing to pick up and move if you need to. And remember that you may be able to return to the area that you want to after medical school. It's a four-year place, or if you're doing MD-PhD or other things, it might be five or six years or more, but it's a period of time in your life. It doesn't have to be where you're going to set down roots for the rest of your life. So just keep that in mind. All right. So once you pick where you want to go to school, it's time to click that submit button. And as we're releasing this, podcast it's near the end of june and it's kind of in the heat of application season and it i can't stress enough how important it is to get your applications in early applications at this time for the aamc opened the the amcas application opened june 10th and that was actually a week delayed because they had some issues and so a good idea would be apply early, but maybe not on the first day. Let, let the glitches kind of work themselves out. Delaying a week's not going to hurt your application. Typically, the initial information isn't submitted to the medical schools for a couple weeks anyway. But ap- most schools accept students on a rolling admissions basis. And it's like a big game of musical chairs. 
the the further you go along in the application season, the application cycle, the the less chairs there are to sit in. So the earlier you get those applications in, the the better the percentages, the better the odds are that you'll get an interview and and hopefully a seat. I would agree. All right. And last but not least, we have enjoy the journey. Yeah, college is a wonderful opportunity to learn, to explore, to uh, live in a new place, meet people from different places, expand your horizons. So as you're uh, studying really hard in your classes and uh, preparing for the MCAT and working on your uh, medical school applications. Once you make that decision that you want to pursue this career, this calling, uh, don't forget to enjoy yourself along the way. Take time to soak in those moments of being a college student because they will come and go and you'll look back and that will be four years of your life. So don't uh, miss the forest through the trees, as they say, or whatever that expression is. Uh, take time to to take in um, the experience. And I would say, uh, uh, in general, you know, life is about moderation, about balance. So you don't want to take that too far in either direction. You don't want to be um, kind of a hermit studying by yourself all day long and, and not meet anybody, but you also don't want to be out there partying uh, and, um, you know, uh, not do well in your classes or or the MCAT because of that. Uh, when a a medical school admissions officer asks you about some of your favorite experiences in college, you don't want numbers one through forty to be the time you were out wasted with your buddies. You want to have other things that you can reflect on. So, but but take time to enjoy the ride. It it really is uh, a great journey. It, and on the flip side, you you also don't want numbers one through forty to be. The different seats that you sat in in the library and studied. Right, absolutely. Uh, so it's about enjoying the journey, but also maybe delaying some of that gratification uh, to times when when it's appropriate and and when you can uh, not have to be uh, worried about not doing well in something that's going to affect your your career or your life down down the line. It's it's about balance. All right, folks. That's eight key things that we thought would be important as a pre-med student, stuff that we, looking back, realized were important now. And so we hope that helps you on your path, kind of guiding you along. We're, we're kind of laying that yellow brick, <laughs> yellow brick road for you to follow. And one thing that I want you to do, if, if you have any other key things that you think of, Go ahead and let us know. Go to the the show notes. Go to medicalschoolhq.net slash session 31 and leave a comment and share what your thoughts are with the rest of the community. And uh, we'll we'll gather a list and see what else is out there. One other thing I want you to do as when this podcast releases, Allison will have graduated her residency by then. So I want you to to tweet us. Go to to Twitter and, and tweet to uh, at medical school HQ and and send a congrats Allison tweet. Thanks, Ray. No problem. So hopefully the information today will better help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. We hope you join us next time here at the medical school headquarters. (laughs) 